You see, abundant life is what Jesus desires and what He came for, and it sends our adversary running. Welcome to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. This is week four in the series, Speak Life. Now here is Pastor Heather. Enjoy. <laughs> well, we got a lot of great things happening. It's been an awesome weekend so far. We had our Royal Ranger Impact Overnighter, and I was up till 3 a.m. on Saturday morning, which was amazing. And we also had our wonderful ladies event. And so we are better together. And then we're gonna have bacon at the men's breakfast, so hallelujah. Well, we're gonna jump right in to today's service, and I want you guys to repeat after me. Say, quit talking, speak life. Quit talking, speak life. Psalms 34, 12 through 14 says, whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. See, God is giving us the ingredients for an abundant life. If you wanna see many good days in your life, just raise your hand. Yes, and if you're online right now, I encourage you to click the like button if you want to love the life you live. You see, we weren't created for half-empty, holes in your sock, running on fumes, Kmart blue light specials. How many of you guys remember Kmart? <laughs> Scrape the bottom of the gif jar kind of life. We were created to have an abundant life. John 10.10 starts with this. The thief comes only to still, steal, kill, and destroy. And do you know who that thief is? It's Satan. In, Hebrews, uh, in, in uh, Hebrew, it means adversary. He's our opponent, our foe, our nemesis, or rival. He's the ultimate concoction of every Marvel villain put together, wrapped into one. He's the one who wants to destroy us, but not only destroy us, but everything that we have. He's our enemy, and he knows no boundaries, and he doesn't play by the rules. His greatest tool is to deceive, to alter the truth, to con us into believing that death is our only option and our ability to be redeemed is beyond reach. Now there's these thoughts that go in our mind. It says, well, I deserve the life that I have. Look at the family I was born into. I made choices long ago and I guess I have to live with the consequences. I deserve this because I'm not worthy or there's something wrong with me, that I'm beyond redemption. So if that's the case, I'll just sit back, let this world pass me by, and hopefully I'll find some menial joy or pleasure and escape, and then I'll vanish into whatever hell or void comes after death. Those are lies, lies, lies. As Pastor Nate talked about, that's death talk. That's all lies are, is death talk. So what are we gonna do about it? We are gonna quit talking, everybody say quit talking, and speak life. And I'm really tired of the airplay that Satan has been given. He's an attention hog, in fact, that's why he got kicked out of heaven is because he wanted the glory instead of giving it to God. And I know a little bit 
about wanting attention. I am the baby of the family. Any other babies here? And I'm also the annoying little sister. And when I wanted to make my brother mad, I knew what buttons to push. I knew what to say by embarrassing him in front of his friends or just being super annoying. And I was thinking about this. How can we be annoying to Satan? How can we just be such an irritant to him and so exasperating as to wear him down so that he will go running with his tail between his legs? How do I do that? Well, some people, they post on Facebook all of their disgruntled feelings about the world. Or they alienate everyone around them who doesn't believe exactly what they believe on every fact or circumstance. Some fear bad news and are looking at our future generation, which I love. Where's our youth? Right here. Yes. Some of them are up there too, which is fine. But some of them, they look at our generation and they throw their hands up and they go, oh, kids these days. I don't think so. To push Satan's button, to send him into a tailspin, all you have to do is live the kind of life that Jesus came for. See, the second half of John 10, 10, y'all, I'm not Southern, but I thought it was kind of cool. The second part of John 10, 10 says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and life to the full. So let me give you a little example. My husband is not here, so I can talk about him all he wants. And he can, you better have a lot of hearts for me right now, Paul. But somehow, we've been married 20 years, and when we got married, when uh, Paul was born, his mother lost the owner's manual. So, <laughs> did you guys know babies come with an owner's manual? You have to ask the hospital for it, but. Um, so I had to figure out a lot of things by trial and error. And for some reason, it seemed everything I would say would irritate him. And then do you know what that does? It irritates me. And then it goes back and forth, back and forth, and pretty soon it turns into war World War III at our house. And nothing seemed to work, and so I asked God to fix him and give me patience as he worked through all of his issues. <laughs> I did. <laughs> but you know what? The Holy Spirit challenged me. And he said this. He says, Heather, I don't want you to say anything negative or complain for a week. Now, at the time, do you remember everybody was giving away all those like rubber bands, those bracelets that said all those cool meanings on it? And so I took one of those bands and I was like, okay, I'm going to put this on my wrist as a reminder not to say anything negative or complain, just for one week, whenever I had the urge. Well, let's say I had a lot of urges, and <laughs> one time we were having a moment. Uh, my personality, I'm kind of more like when there's a confrontation, I want to talk it out now and get it over with so I can sleep. Then there's other of you people who need a little bit of time to process, and it could be a day, it could be over the night, but so anyway, so we had, we had this moment, and he slammed the door on me. And I went up to the door, and I was like ready to go. And I had my hand, and then I saw my bracelet. And 
I couldn't say anything negative. I couldn't complain. So this is what I did. I said, Paul, I love you. <laughs> Even though I had something else in my mind, I spoke rather I screamed life into that dark situation. And I remember that day because it had been going back and forth, back and forth for years early in our marriage. And you know what? Something broke in that moment. And I realized I had a choice. I had the power through the Holy Spirit not to give in to the lies. And all of a sudden, peace flooded my heart and a supernatural self-control took over. See, I had called Satan's bluff. I caught him in the act of bringing strife into our home, and I no longer was gonna be a participant in his plan to bring chaos and confusion into my home. Not in my house, not in my family. Satan, get behind me. And boy, did he flee. You see, abundant life is what Jesus desires and what he came for. And it sends our adversary running. So how do we do it? Well, we've been talking about speaking life. We partner with God, what God's word says. We rest in his presence, and last week we learned by trusting him. See, abundance isn't just about us. The word abundance is overflow, beyond our container, lacking nothing and giving generously to be shared. Not only what God has done in the past for us, but what he's doing right now, but what he's gonna do in the future, in my children's lives, in my grandchildren's lives. So today we are gonna be focusing on speaking life generationally, or as I like to say, speaking a legacy of life. So we're gonna to turn to Deuteronomy 34, five through nine, and we're gonna read from God's word. Moses, was 120 years old when he died, and yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. See, the handoff from Moses to Joshua is a great template to illustrate this, this principle of speaking a legacy of life. Moses spoke into Joshua, and every generation needs a Moses to speak into them. Let's pray. God, we welcome the presence of your Holy Spirit and anointing that as your word comes forth, that it would illuminate our lives and awaken our souls, that chains would be broken, that strongholds would loosen, and we would find freedom and hope in you, Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We yield our minds and we submit our hearts to do what only you can do this morning. Amen. Joshua begins with the line, Moses, my servant, is dead. I thought, wow, that's a great start to a sermon series called Speak Life. Moses is dead. 
Moses, we all remember him. He was the writer of the law, the Torah, the Pentateuch, the one who was rescued as a baby floating down the Nile, who became the prince of Egypt, who delivered his people out of Israel, out of, not out of Israel, of Israel into slavery, who crossed the Red Sea, encountered God face to face, and brought down the Ten Commandments. Moses is dead. Kaput, expired, I like this, experienced the big adios, right? <laughs> now what? You know what, in history, there's been some larger than life figures that have passed away that you're like, man, what is life gonna be like after they go? I couldn't imagine my life without them. So uh, I remember when Steve Jobs died. You guys remember when Steve Jobs died and everybody's like, what's gonna happen with Apple? Well, I'll tell you what, everybody has an iPhone and a MacBook and he's just doing fine. And then there was Alex Trebek of Jeopardy when he passed away. And most recently, Queen Elizabeth, who died at the age of 96. But the world did not stop turning when these people passed away. Like I said, we see iPhones and MacBooks everywhere. Jeopardy is still continuing to follow Wheel of Fortune. I don't know who's going to replace Vanna White and Pat Sajak when they, when they go. And now we have King Charles in the house, right? But the same was true for the children of Israel when all they had known was Moses. But you see, the story just didn't stop with Moses and the first five books of the Bible, there was Joshua and a whole new set of books yet to be written. You see, God's plan isn't just based on one person or character. We are his vessels placed with a specific purpose and gifts to carry out his rescue plan long ago that was set up long ago before even creation. There may be larger than life characters or humble unknowns, but they are all essential to God's plans and purposes. And this is exciting because God is just not the God of Moses. He is the God of generations and the God of you and me and all that are ahead of us until he comes. If each generation matters to God, then they must matter to us. God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If you read the Bible, there are these huge sections dedicated to the genealogies of who beget who. And the New Testament actually uh, starts with the genealogy of Jesus spanning from Abraham to Christ. On, in Matthew 1:17, it says, thus there were 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile of Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the, to the Messiah. Now, how many math geniuses are that out there? How many generations is that? Who said it? 42. Is that you right there? Raise your hand. Who said 42? All right. Awesome. Let's give him a great big hand. <laughs> 42 generations. The continuous of God's, of God's plan and mandate as believers is to go and make did you know generation comes from the word to generate, to be born, to go and make disciples, to speak life into the next generation? This is our call to action. See, Moses at this point, he was kind of like the big cheese, the headliner. He was the elite athlete, the top student. But there comes a point 
to where all of us need to move on, where, where we stop being the star of the show and become the director, where we get off the field and start coaching from the sidelines, and when we transition from being a student into being a teacher. I love how our theme this year is better together, and in order to do that, we need to make room for the next generation. We all love to play the game, but there comes a time where we need to put aside the spotlight on ourselves and give others a chance to shine. Speaking life to the next generation means being a coach. Joshua comes on the scene in Exodus 17, and let me set the stage for you. Moses had delivered the children of Israel from Egypt. He led them through the desert. There was miracle after miracle, including manna from heaven, but he was growing weary. In fact, at this point, this is where Moses kind of lost his cool, and he said to God, he says, what am I going to do with all these people? They're ready to stone me. See, Moses was getting a little bit grumpy. But actually, I think it was the realization that God was turning Moses from a leader into a leader of leaders, which in essence is being a coach. Exodus 17, 10 through 13 says this. It was a, so Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses and Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, and Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other. So his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Picture this, Moses was sitting on a rock going like this while Joshua was out there with his sword slaying the Amalekites. But Joshua had a coach up there. Even though Moses was on the sidelines, Joshua was doing the hand-to-hand combat, but he was there by his side. And it goes on in Exodus 17, it says, then the Lord said to Moses, Write on the scroll is something to be remembered. Make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of the Amalek under heaven. See, Moses empowered Joshua to lead an army, to fight the battle, and he shared with Joshua in the victory. Every generation needs a Moses to speak life into them. Some of you out here, whether you see it or not, are spiritual coaches. You have a lot of wisdom. You have a lot of life experience to give. And you can see potential in those that can't even see it in themselves. And as you think about that, I honestly don't know where I would be or if I would be even up here right now if it wasn't for someone who believed in me and gave me an opportunity to develop and use the gifts that God put inside of me. I like what John Wooden said. He said, a good coach can change a game. A great coach can change a life. A lot of people, especially in the music industry, discovered their giftings in the church, but abandoned their faith in exchange for temporary fulfillment. One of the most famous of those was Elvis Presley. He grew up in a Christian home. 
During his early success in 1957, Elvis spoke of his faith in an interview, and he said this, he said, I never expected to be anyone important, and maybe I'm not now, but whatever I am and whatever I become will be what God has chosen for me. Just a year later, um, Elvis was struggling with the trappings of fame and wealth early in his career. And he knew what was right from wrong. He wanted to please God with his life. And after an Easter service at a First Assembly of God church in Memphis in 1958, a pastor said that Elvis told him this, Pastor, I'm the most miserable young man you've ever seen. I've got all this money. I have all these friends. I've got millions of fans. But what I'm, do, what, but I'm doing what you taught me I'm not doing, and I'm doing the things that you, and I'm not doing the things that you taught me to do. How tragic, what a loss. You see, we as the body of Christ can't afford to sit idly by and let this next generation slip through our hands, to let their God-given destiny go to destruction. Just like Moses had Joshua in his midst and rose him up, we need to raise up the next generation to go ahead of us. Speaking life to the next generation means being a coach. Next, speaking life to the next generation means being a cheerleader. Now, please don't think it has anything to do with a plastic smile and pom-poms. In fact, Pastor Nate last week talks about to toxic positivity. And basically it happens when people, uh, when, uh, they think that negative thoughts should be avoided at any cost, and they should just be happy all the time. No, being a cheerleader is being an encourager, giving someone the strength to face their pain and their fears, to give someone the courage when filled with doubt and despair, to support, to foster confidence, and to bring hope. Before Moses died in Deuteronomy 33, he intentionally went through each of the tribes one by one and he laid his hands on them and he spoke words of life over each one and blessed them. I've had words spoken over me that have held me in dark moments. I've had blessings that have strengthened me to overcome the obstacles in my life. They are words of comfort and confidence 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in the fact you are doing. You know, every week we open up these altars for prayers of healing, but also it's a time of blessing. It's a time of encouragement. And our online hosts who are so faithful, they also do that online. And a couple of weeks ago, somebody online reached out for prayer, and they were literally struggling in the matters of life and death. And so one of our online uh, hosts, they prayed with them, and then they said, you know, well, if you want a pastor to come pray with you. So I got a call, and I followed up with this person. And they had, have you ever talked with somebody where when you hear their problems, you're like, there is nothing I can do. I don't know what to do with this. And I felt overwhelmed with their need. There was so much financial need, emotional need. And I was ready to do whatever it took. And I said, what do you need from me? And they just said, all I really need is for you to pray with me. 
I really just need strength and encouragement. And sometimes with the generations below us, <laughs> we could feel so helpless. I don't know what they're facing, and I don't know how to relate to this world that they're growing up in. I don't know what it's like to face the future and challenges that are ahead, but just like what Moses did to the tribes of Israel, he laid hands on them and he spoke encouraging, encouragement and blessing. And for you teenagers and young adults, I want you to know that we see you. You live in a type of world that is like a sci-fi movie when I was your age. The dependence on technology and the rapid pace that things are changing so quickly, what would take 20 years now can take three years. The future is always lurking at your back. And to many, I've heard this over and over, to many of this generation, they're like, the American dream is dead. It will never come to the reality. And actually, my encouragement to you teenagers and young adults out there is all for all of you to walk in the destiny and dream that God has for you. You don't need the American dream. God's dream for you is way better and way bigger. Matthew 6.33 says this, and I repeat this over and over, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and he will take care of all the rest. He'll take care of how am I gonna pay for school? How am I gonna meet somebody? What's my life gonna look like in 20 years? Will I still be living with my mom and dad? How am I gonna take care of this or that? God will take care of everything. You just need to seek him first. Be a coach, be a cheerleader, be a champion. Moses saw potential in Joshua. He gave him opportunity to grow and to learn, and he trusted him. And in fact, we were just talking about this when Joshua and Caleb went out to spy the land. They were the only ones who came back with a positive report. The people were so full of fear. Do you know what they wanted to do? They wanted to throw rocks at Joshua and Caleb and kill them. But Moses championed them. And the Lord spoke through him and he said, because Caleb and Joshua followed the Lord fully, they will be the only ones to enter the land that everyone else had rejected. See, the enemy of our souls, remember, he's our adversary. He's against this generation. And he is working overtime to wear down, to discourage and deceive our kids. The focus on the giants, for them to focus on the giants that are in the way of their God-given destinies to blind them to the abundant life that Jesus has promised them. When my oldest daughter, she's gonna love this, I didn't get permission to tell this story, but that's okay. I'll buy you something later, um, <laughs> promise. When she was uh, in fourth grade, she would ride the bus home, and I would go and pick her up at the bus stop, and so I'm with my mom, I'm in my mi minivan, and I get this, call and the number is not, my, first of all, she does not have a cell phone at that time. And then, so it's like this weird call and I just happened to pick it up and it's Pippi's voice shaking. And she said, mom, can you pick me up at Essex Park? And I just heard her voice quivering. And I said, well, what's wrong? What's wrong? She goes, just pick me up, just meet me there. It was like the bus stop before her bus stop. So I said, okay. So I went and I picked her up and she was in tears. And I asked her what was wrong. She said, well, 
I was sitting in the back of this bus and this boy hit me and he was bullying me. And so the bus was already pulling away. And what do you think I did? I got into my van, I put it in drive, and I chased that bus. And I started tailing that bus. And I saw these little heads in the back of the bus looking as I was following them. And so I, uh, there was like the bus stop was here and there was like a line of cars waiting to pick up their kids. So I parked my van and I had my uh, tennis shoes on and I like sprinted to catch the kids coming out of the bus. And, uh, and everybody was like looking at me going, what's, what's going on with this lady? So I started looking and she said his name was JJ. So I went to the bus stop, uh, the bus driver, and I said, um, is JJ here? He's like, everybody's like, JJ's already gone, JJ's already gone. So um, I was like, okay, do you think I'm gonna stop there? No. So I got in my van again, and I went driving, and I saw this group of kids walking, and I said, Pippi, is that them? She said, yes. So I stopped my car, and I got out, and I ran to this group of kids. <laughs> and I, I looked up, and I said, which one of you is JJ? And then I heard this little voice coming down, and he says, I'm JJ, what's it to you? He's just this like short little smart alecky boy. And I said, I'm Pippi's mom and I'm here to find out what is going on. And of course he said, well, I was just messing around in the back and I happened to brush against her and hit her. And I was like, hmm. But I told them this, I said, no one should ever feel unsafe. I said, that is unacceptable. And I shook his hand and I said, I said, I trust you moving forward that we won't have to have this conversation again. In fact, this is a funny story. In fact, Paul was teaching skateboarding at our elementary school. In fact, he taught JJ skateboarding and we actually gave him a skateboard. But every time I saw JJ, I went out of my way to wave at him and go, hi, JJ, how are you doing? Hi, I, it's kind of like with the devil. It's like, hey, I see you. I know what you're up to. I got your, I got your number. But notice had been served to JJ. And do you think he ever messed with Pippi again? No way. I was her champion. I was her defender. And we are to be the advocates and champion of this generation, where we say hands off world to our kids, to this world that tries to bully our kids and make them to believe the lie that there's no hope, that all their best days are behind them and that there's no future. We speak life, we stand up and we champion them and say, I believe in you. You can do things, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. That greater is he that's in you than anything that's in this world. If each generation matters to God, then they must matter to us. We need to speak life into this next generation. We need to be a coach, a cheerleader, and a champion. Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 20 says this, it gives these instructions. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. 
tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your house. I love what Psalm 78 says. Listen, O my people, instructions. Incline your ears to the word of my mouth. I will open up my mouth in a parable, and I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. And we will not conceal it from our children, but we will tell the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. You know, speaking a legacy of life is like this rope. Recently, I went on a hike. We went on the Eagle Creek Trail. Have any of you guys ever been on that trail before? Yes, it's awesome. But it's, there's this really narrow part on the trail where they have these uh, corded uh, metal ropes where you could like literally hold on to it to keep you or make you feel safe. But leave a legacy of life is like a rope to where we speak life into each generation and it's an anchor of hope. It pulls us up. It's a steadying force. But I know all of us this morning, and it's great if you have a legacy, a, a rope of hope in your life, but I know all of us here this morning have not had a Moses speak into our life like Joshua did. Most of us, in this room had to figure out life on our own. Maybe you didn't have a coach, no encouragement, and no one to have your back. Did you guys know that there's 20,000 foster kids that age out of the system and they're just handed a, a garbage bag and a good luck? 4,000 of those go into homeless, a homeless uh, situation every single year. And I know the struggle can be, how can I love someone if I'm not shown love myself? How can I have a healthy relationship and pass that on to my kids or my grandkids when all I've discovered is dysfunction? How can I pass on something that was never given to me? How can I speak life when all I've been handed is death? This morning, some of us, all we've been given is these chains. I call them generational curses or family of origin issues. You know, my grandmother has red hair, my mom has red hair, and I have red hair. My kids don't have red hair. So I don't know if that's a curse that's been broken or I don't know what, but, but unlike our hair color or our attributes, there's things in our life there's, that we've inherited through what, our, what we've experienced and what our families experienced. How can I pass on something that wasn't given into me? And these generational curses come in the form of addiction, abuse, poverty, sexual brokenness, and emotional bondage. And as I have studied my family, there's roots of alcoholism, deceit, infidelity, relational dysfunction, and domestic abuse. But the good news 
This is the good news this morning, is that we don't have to pass on our chains to the next generation. John 1.3 calls us God's children, that when we ask Jesus into our hearts, we are adopted into his family. And it says this, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. No one who is born of God will continue in sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. First Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And finally, Galatians 5.1 says this, it is for freedom. That's why Jesus came to give us the abundant life. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. These verses are fire. Yes, they're fire. That's like a slam of like, they're awesome. And today we are gonna speak life into the next generation. We're gonna declare freedom from all the destructive assignments on our families and future, and they can be broken in the name of Jesus. The worship team is gonna come and we're going to declare that there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. And there's an anointing here, and in fact, it says the, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. So I wanna encourage you this morning, I want you just to stand and close your eyes. And I have a couple of asks, a couple of call to action. First of all, if you wanna be free, if you're tired <laughs> of the family tree and all the stuff that comes with it, if you're tired of the patterns that have led you to death and destruction in your family, if you're ready to say yes to life, the first step is to say yes to Jesus. It says, though my mother and father forsake me, I will never leave you or forsake you. That you have a new history. I love that song. I never heard that song about destiny. That he has a new destiny for you. So if you could close your eyes this morning, and if that's you, if you have never made Jesus the Lord and leader of your life, you know the kind of life this world gives. And it is nothing but heartache, hopelessness, and death. And if you wanna say yes to Jesus, say yes to the life, I guarantee you that will be the best decision you will ever make. And there are guarantees in God's word that he has come to give you life and life abundantly. If that's you, just slip up your hand this morning and say, yes, I wanna say yes to Jesus. Thank you for those hands, I see those hands. Second of all, Maybe you have said yes to Jesus, but you're still struggling with strongholds, with things that weigh you down. You know, a stronghold is something that we don't have the strength to overcome ourselves, that we need help. And that's why Jesus came, he's our helper. And there is power in his name. And if that's you today, if you want to raise your hand and say, you know what, I want those 
generational curses to stop with me. I wanna break that cycle of poverty, of abuse, of addiction, of despair. And if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. I'm raising my hand because you know what? It stops with me. As for me and my house, we are gonna serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Heaven is rejoicing and hell is recoiling. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we sing this song that there is power in your name, I rebuke the enemy who would try to come and say, no, I'm the exception. This is too big. This is too big for God. There is nothing impossible with God that we could leave transformed this morning where those assignments are broken off and we are not a victim, but we are a victor through the power of Jesus' name. Let's declare that this morning as we worship. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us online for our live stream at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com. 